Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Explore today's must-have trends and innovative styles at Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet. Shop one-of-a-kind finds in today's must-have trends. Explore wall-to-wall deals, furniture, flooring, mattresses, home accents, seasonal favorites, and more. Discover unique new home decor, pillows, accessories, and more. There's something perfect for your style and budget. There's new inventory every day at up to 80% off suggested retail. Discover the style and savings of Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This is Dee Dee Keel, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Pantheon Podcasts presents, from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you The Devil's Music. Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music Podcast, all about that sinful rock and roll. It's the beat. I know what it does to you. Rock and roll and witchcraft have been two concurrent themes in my life since the age of 12. So that's how I got the idea to do this, to explore two of my favorite things. Um, In case you don't know me, I'm a rock and roll witch. I'm a best-selling writer. I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles with a fanzine called Lobotomy, and I was an active part of that mid to late 70s punk scene that I helped create. I went on to book all sorts of clubs and venues in LA, including two of the most seminal punk clubs, Raji's and Cathay de Grand. Um, I lived in a very famous punk rock house called Disgraceland. Legendary, I might add. I'm a painter. I'm an actor. I've been a professional dancer for probably many years, longer than some of you have been alive. I'm still ticking and still ticking lickings. Some of you might know me some of you might not have heard of me, and some of you may have heard of me in the ahem, biblical sense. But we're here to have fun, and I'm glad you're joining me. Mwah!
Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music. Today, my guest is Selene Luna. She's unbelievable. If you don't know about her, after this episode, you're going to be obsessed about her. Um, she's a comedian, an actor, a writer, a podcaster, a traveling showgirl, which is how we met. She's also a disability advocate because she is herself, quote, quote, disabled, although I think that's like ridiculous because she does more than almost any person I know. Today, we're going to be pretending we're sitting in a bubble bath drinking wine. But anyway, that's our fantasy. So just imagine both of us, two hot brunettes, sitting in a bubble bath, getting ready to talk to you and tell you some really fucking sick shit. Welcome, Selene. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi, Pleasant, and thank you for such a lovely intro, such a lovely, sexy intro. I'm all over it already. <laughs> thank you okay, for having so you... me. Go, go ahead, talk. <laughs> oh, that's all. No, I, I didn't want to speak over you because I know it's already going to start. I'm going to just start screaming and talking on, over you. Um, thank you for having me. I think this is such a great excuse to catch up with somebody I love. For, uh, I love and respect you so much for so many years. You've been such a great friend. So I'm excited to be on your show. Don't let, don't let her, um, don't, don't let that nice little innocent statement she made um, <laughs> fool you. <laughs> I my entertainer cap on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we are entertainers. That, that whole intro I gave you guys out there in podcast land about um, Selene, we just both do so many things that years and years ago, we decided that we were quote, quote, entertainers. And the, every time we say it, it comes out in like 20 foot or 20 story tall green neon letters. We're entertainers <laughs> with flashing chain lights around it. Um, what so line that's of how we are you in? I'm an entertainer. Yeah, it's we used to say it's that. It's old school. It's old school. We, We'd say it at like at customs when we were traveling to go <laughs> to a different country. What are you? I'm an entertainer, sir. <laughs> it's like it's like telling somebody you're a vaudevillian. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm an enchanting you, lady. When you, I know when uh, at every anytime we told the the guys at customs that we were entertainers. I, I felt like they looked at us like we're from another time and place. <laughs> yeah, like they went into a time warp. But uh -huh. um, we, we met being entertainers and I don't remember exactly how we met, do you? I do not, but I was actually, last night uh, when I was thinking about doing your podcast today, I kept racking my brain because we have so much history, we've had so many adventures, but I couldn't remember the first time we met and but the memory that keeps popping in my mind early on was I remember seeing you all the time at the garage. Oh yeah, I, I do uh -huh. remember. Yeah, yeah. The, at um, and I think it, what, wait, what was Badges Club? Uh, the it was called what? Sucker. Yeah, Badger Club Lopini Sucker. Davis had Club Sucker, and it was an afternoon party that was all. This was the theme of it. Um, show tunes and punk rock. And, and there was 
there was bands playing there. This was at a club. This was in the 90s at a club called The Garage in Silver Lake. And this mm-hmm. was before Silver Lake was gentrified. And these shows were absolute mayhem. Just in, There was like literally people climbing in the rafters. I remember one time um, when a band called Wood Pussy played, these mm-hmm. two hot, hot brothers, um, Billy and Johnny Patchen um, mm-hmm. from... Uh, they were, um, I can't remember what band they were in, but they took off all their clothes and this wasn't part of the show. And one of them covered himself in mustard and the other one covered himself <laughs> in ketchup. And they were climbing through the rafters of the club, ha- naked, hanging oh down off, off the stage. And then I remember one time I was sitting on the bar with the bartender pouring shots into my mouth while someone that I barely knew was giving me a hit of acid. And, and this is like at oh my four God. in the afternoon with drag queens all over the place and like Ron Athey and bands blaring and, and well, it was I, I know I met you, I just something tells me I met you outside of that, but my earliest memories of seeing you on a regular basis was at Club Sucker and we had, we already had a ton of friends in common like I think I think Billy Rich may have been like the primary. Yes, connection. Billy Rich, yeah. And but, I remember um, I remember you walking in one day with the the cutest. You look like Jean Benet Ramsey. You were like <laughs> you were wearing some like I think I I could swear you were wearing like a white cowboy hat, maybe with white cowboy boots and oh yeah, sure I was. I'm sure and I some kind of like cowboy frilly dress. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really cute. But yeah, that was so much fun. I mean, I spent every Sunday at Club Sucker, a Sunday afternoon. It was like church. It was so fun. Yeah, it was, and then and then we were in the Velvet Hammer together, which was like the the world's first neo burlesque troupe. And maybe so that's where we officially met. Maybe that was where it really started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and I do have a vivid memory of uh, you in particular, always being really, really sweet and friendly to me backstage you know i was really shy because i didn't really know everybody i knew annie which is how i became involved diamondback annie who's also a really oh, no, famous, oh annie sperling oh annie sperling well they're, mm-hmm. they're both famous um la burlesque performers and they both do a lot of other amazing things too. yeah they're incredible artists so uh but anyway i have the sweetest memories of uh you know, you, you just always being so like warm and embracing and uh, backstage because it could be in, intimidating for, you know, I was a newbie and, uh, you know, all the girls at that were just so cool and so rock and roll and had you guys had been doing it for years and I was new on the scene. And so I was just kind of like kept to myself. But uh, you, you instantly made me feel welcome every time. Ah, yeah. I love that. Um, so let's describe like, I don't know if this was your first act, but this was definitely my favorite act from the Velvet Hammer. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have to tell the story of how you got it. Selene was a baby. Her This was like an old school, like um, it was kind of like a Laurel and Hardy or Three Stooges. It was mm-hmm. definitely like a Max Senate 1920s style act where um, the curtains would open and there was a baby carriage on stage. And then this um, scary, handsome, fetishy hobo clown would come out and, and spot the the baby carriage and um he he was leaning over and you know playing with the baby and stuff and the little hand came out to grab it at him 
So he picks the baby up out in her little, um, in her little like um, sort of christening gown and baby bonnet. And she immediately starts stripping. The first, <laughs> so Selene was a stripping baby and this is because she's a little person. <laughs> and so if that's not like the most fucked up fetishy thing on earth, I can't, I, I'm hard pressed to think of another, but I'm sure we'll think of quite a few before this episode is over. But so, yeah. um, tell the story of how you found the the um, the baby carriage. This is so ill. Oh well, I mean, I found it on eBay. You know, uh, I it was a uh, and the and I do want to say that uh, what I really loved about being part of the Velvet Hammer is that we could do things back then, back in the day, that you can't get away with today. Like, oh I could God, never, yeah. today I could never get away with doing the baby carriage number. And it wasn't my first number, but the more I became involved with Velvet Hammer, I saw how each person kind of used their platform to express something really personal. And yeah. uh, so the baby carriage to me, it was actually... And I didn't have to explain it to anybody. I didn't give a shit what anyone thought about it. It just, to me, what motivated me to do it, it was really an homage to all the, the little people in silent movies and vaudeville. You know, they, yeah. always, they always played a baby who was a jewel thief, you know, or things like that. And it was just really like some little mobster. And, you know, yeah, the or, or the munchkins, are. which, when, yeah. do you, what do you think of like the, what about those rumors about the munchkin sex parties at that hotel in Culver City? Do you debunk believe, them I, or do you know? Yeah. I just want to, <laughs> I want to think that it really happened. I think there should be a movie made about it, whether or not it's true. <laughs> whether or not it's true, I want to see the, the biopic. Wait, so, there probably already is one on Pornhub. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's not, I, I keep wanting to start my own porn hub because... <laughs> oh, my God, you should. You should. This is a casting <laughs> opportunity for you, Selena. <laughs> oh, no, you can be casting? the director. You can be the director. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but uh, anyway, that was my Amber Alert number. <laughs> and, um, and I was just, honestly, to me, I was just being confrontational because I knew how sick and twisted it was to come out as a stripping baby, but I wanted people to see, like, this is not a baby. This is a woman, just like little people in silent movies. That was an adult, and that was the only gig they could get, you know? And uh, really, there was a lot of uh, political, uh, social injustice message behind it for me personally, but that wasn't what I was shoving down people's faces. I was hoping to make it still cute and sexy, and I didn't care what anybody thought. I do remember, I think one of the first times I performed that number when we did a show at the Mayan, um, I remember Kate Valentine was hosting and uh, I mean, Miss Astrid. And uh, she said that uh, a couple people walked out as soon as she said, this is an Amber Alert. So I did have a sense of pride clearing out a table. Yeah, there was, <clears throat> there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on in the Velvet Hammer because at that same show at the Mayan, mm -hmm. another internationally known performance artist who would also probably call themselves an entertainer was mm -hmm. Vaginal Cream Davis. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Vag was doing a number in a tuxedo and big chicken feet. And he's a very large, beautiful, black, um, 
non-binary person <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and um but was also in blackface doing it and a lot of people walked out on that and that was also when i was doing the whip act with danielle stamp who used to have mm-hmm. a traveling show called the girly freak show and we were doing an act called the high plains harlots and she would whip like she's a she's a bow whip she's amazing master and um she would whip targets out of my mouth she'd whip my clothes off my body my costume pieces and targets out of my hands but because it was the high plains harlot she was a saloon girl and i was a native american and so someone came up to me after the show and said you know i i i was really offended by your act and i was like yeah but but you know, on my father's side, it's it's all early settlers and Native Americans. And she said, "Well, I was still offended by it." And I said, "In a show with a stripping baby and a black drag queen in blackface, I'm glad that you're offended by my act." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, the I thing know. is about our acts; they were beautiful, elaborate. Um, we really put on a show. Uh, however. I, I found a lot of acts to be confrontational. And they were. They were on purpose. Yeah, it was everything we, we were. were going through, but all glittery and sparkly. Yeah, we were confrontational. We were telling stories of real truth. And, um, you know, uh, you know, blackface, uh, uh, you know, a black individual performing blackface, that was really powerful. You know, everything we did was about how wrong these injustices were. But um, we showcased it in a way that, you know, I don't know. I, I thought processed it in a beautiful way. Oh yeah, I thought I thought so too. And it was, I mean, that was that was that was just it was a a different time. And by that, I don't mean what we were doing because what we were doing was really pushing the envelope so mm-hmm. far into the void that it could have been like you know like landing on Mars and finding like the faces there. Um, but I mean, there was no social media in those days. Yeah. There was, there wasn't, it was, yeah, I know. Well, my oh stock my line about any of those times is if there would have been social media, like in some of the, most of the decades that I've been alive, I'd still be incarcerated. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I am so grateful. Social media came in later in my life. Like when I could handle it, <laughs> like I just, <laughs> Oh my God, the horror of what have, what would have been recorded in my youth. I just, I can't even imagine it. I'm just so, I'm so glad. I'm very grateful that our youth was a private time. You know? Yeah. I mean, talk about living in the moment. I'm glad I had that experience. No, oh, I know. It was amazing. Okay, so um, we did the Velvet Hammer together for years. And then we mm-hmm. also like sort of rolled straight into um, Margaret Cho's show, The Sensuous Women. Yeah, okay, yes. yes. We have to talk oh, about oh, this. Yes. Oh, your editor's going to okay. love that. <laughs> no, this is not a mis- This isn't a mistake. <laughs> no mistakes. No mistakens. Uh, yeah, we rolled, doing that. we rolled straight into the sensuous woman. And that was a wonderful experience. We got to travel all over the country with Margaret. And then we did... A really, really fun, memorable two-month stay in New York. At the Zipper and, Theater off-Broadway, and it was every night performing. It was, what, we had Sunday off, right? Yeah, but I think... Or was it Monday? I think it was... I don't remember what night was dark, but 
I might be wrong and I might be merging it with another show, but I could swear we did eight shows a week. We did. We did. We did eight yeah, shows. It was, a, it, was a, and then, it, was, it was a real showbiz grind. This was a this was a burlesque show. Um it was a it was a burlesque show that was um that sort of came out of my teaching Margaret belly dancing and burlesque mm -hmm. and then she made a whole show about it. And we also had Dirty Martini, who's a famous burlesque performer from New York, and mm -hmm. she's now with Dita Von Teese, and she had been in the Velvet Hammer with us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then um, we had Ryan Huffington, who's a really well-known choreographer. And then we yeah. had- Yeah, um, we knew him in the early days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that show was so much fun, and we were all living together. This was like its own reality show, except there was no cameras around. So Lenny, and I and, and all the other comics like Ian Harvey and stuff, we were all living in this one little building of corporate housing mm -hmm. in New York and walking to the theater every day and drinking like fish, I might add. Like, Yeah, I don't know how we did it. We just, yeah, you, it was just, we were just being entertainers. And uh, yeah, we spent every waking moment together with this group. It was like being at Little Rascals Entertainer Camp. And uh and remember we had a uh, grace papaya for dinner every night yeah <laughs> i think it, i think we thought <laughs> it was easy easy doing that many shows and normal but we we like we're like oh i'm gonna go to the metropolitan museum and then i'm gonna go and visit staten island <laughs> and i'm gonna go to the statue of liberty and all we could do is sleep until like four or five in the afternoon after a while from doing all those shows it was insane it was exhausting it was so exhausting <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was in I was in bed until we had to get into makeup. Yeah, I know that was, and then uh, after a while, like um, my nipples. After like about the third week, I thought my nipples were never gonna return to normal because they had these two big red rings where like the spirit gum went. Yeah, you know, it got <laughs> painful. I was afraid one day I was gonna take my pasties off and my nipples were gonna come with it. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, it was it's brutal. It was like really it was hard labor. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And um so so that was just one of the touring experiences or on location experiences we had. Um let's talk about when we did Steve Balderson's movie Firecracker. So this was a movie um about a true murder that occurred in the 50s at a carnival on the 4th of July in Wamego, Kansas. And um, Steve Balderson, if you guys out there in podcast land, he was, um, I did a whole episode with him because he's worked with Mink Stoll and Karen Black and he's made tons and tons of incredible movies. And so he was the director. There's, there's some stories about Firecracker on that episode with Steve, but, um, Selene and I have so many stories about the set of Firecracker and what it was like working with Karen Black and what it was like being in the murder house where the actual murder happens that this story was based on, but also just how, how absolutely surreal it was being in, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Kansas, um, as entertainers working on a film set. So. Well, we were we were a couple of big city girls. We were big city showgirls. And then we find ourselves, and through Pleasant, I got the gig, we find ourselves shooting a film in this tiny, really adorable little town. I mean, what was it, like two blocks long? 
it was yeah it was two blocks long and i think there was like it, there was something like three thousand people or maybe it was 300 i don't even remember it was, it was i i went i'd been to a venture it was like three it felt like 300 people but maybe we were just downtown and everyone else was spread out it no. did have a sonic though that was it had a sonic oh, that was and, major. It had, and it had a liquor store right across from the motel <laughs> But I remember we had to drive about an hour out to go thrift shopping. Yeah. And that yeah, was cool. Oh, my God. To, Mike, Pat Mike, Patton, Mike Patton was there. Jane yeah, from Faith, from Faith No More. And, uh, mm. yeah, it was this, this shoot was padded with rock stars that were also friends of ours. Mike yeah. Patton and Jane Weedland. And there was also the Enigma from the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow, who is a very tall and very buff man who is completely covered in tattoos of blue puzzle pieces. And he does stuff like hang shit out of his eyes. Like he used to hang these oh. discs out of his eyes and he's a master sword swallower. And just remember these two facts about him for later on in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh, there was also George the Giant was there who's like almost oh, eight yeah. feet tall. That's right. That's right. Uh, Amy Kelly. Yeah. And, and um, Kathy, Kathy, um, what's her name? Kathy, the, the Katzen. daughter. Yeah, Katzen, Kat who's all covered in tiger stripes. The Enigma's wife at that point, her entire body is tattooed mm -hmm. in tiger stripes. Very, um, very. What was it? Was it Kathy Berry, the, the lobster boy's oh, the, yeah. Um, daughter? Yeah, and that's right. Kathy had, Berry. She had worked as her, her, her father was a really famous carnival freak and also said to have murdered people mob style or had hits put out on right. other carn carnies. Yeah. Well, that was an adventurous two weeks. And uh, I felt like, uh, I, like Pleasant and I kind of took over the town. I think you and I may have been there the longest, possibly. Yeah. And yes. uh, yeah, by the end of it, we kind of knew everybody in town. And uh, I remember just hanging out at the library downtown and <laughs> just like, and the, uh, what was really charming is that it wasn't like some typical Hollywood set. It was like the crew was made up out of town locals. And, yeah. um, and it was just a, a very sweet family affair. It was cute. It was really great. And you had a crush on Cousin Bobby. We were You obsessed. had a crush on Cousin Bobby. Cousin Bobby was in love with a pleasant. Although I believe uh, it was presents. So no. Okay. So nobody. Pleasures. He used to call me pleasures. That's why you started pleasures. calling me pleasures. Nobody, nobody in this little town of Wamigo could pronounce mine or pleasant's names. Like we were as exotic, the most exotic thing. Your, we, your name was Selena. <laughs> Selena's. Selena's. And uh, yeah, no one could pronounce our names. We were like the most exotic things that ever passed through there. And uh, for whatever reason, even though pleasant is just could be a normal word. No, everybody could just, they just kept calling pleasant pleasures. And once in a while we got a presence. Pleasures. Anyway. But, but that, that was, was when we started telling people we were sisters, remember? Yeah, sisters. Because they all, oh, people yeah. would always ask if we were sisters because we both have bangs and um, dark hair and yeah. brown eyes. Yeah, we were like the darkest people there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, ca we carried that on into Las Vegas, too, though, because also it was, um, it was sort of Steve Balderson's fault. We, we 
went to Las Vegas. Steve's dad in, in Kansas, Clark, has a, um, he has a business with big, like, earth-moving machines and tractors. And a lot of the movie Firecracker was shot in, in the warehouses or Quonset huts. Like, all the interior scenes um, were set up in, the, in, like, the garages of, like, the tractors and the bulldozers and stuff. It was, like, I know It was farm country. It was hardcore. Yeah, but he sells that stuff internationally. So then a couple of years after the movie, um, there's, there's this once every five years in the world mining convention. And um, it's been all over the world. And miners from everywhere in the entire world go to it. So um, Clark Balderson and Dymax, which was his company, obviously were in it. We're, you know, attending all the mining conventions, but this one happened to be in Las Vegas. So Clark hired Selene, the Enigma, and me to come. And their whole theme in the mining convention, because every booth had to have a theme, was that it was going to be a carnival sideshow. So mm -hmm. we, we went directly to um, Las Vegas and all our showgirl gear with all our sword swallowing accoutrements and stuff and stayed there for like that. Weren't we there for like almost a week for like five I days? I think or so. Yeah. It was like the full convention week. Yeah. And so and we, we were, so we were, we were, we, 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 uh, all the convention people were kind of mortified with us. Uh, cause we were, we were like dressed up in our, you know, our girly costumes or, you know, our burlesque costumes. And we were just dancing all day in front of gigantic tractors. Yeah. No, I mean, we were, we, we were in, in like the scoop of like a giant bulldozer. <laughs> and then, and um, and all the signs in the booth were made to look like carnival sideshow. And um, and Selene and I did a bunch of costume changes. And I went once to the Starbucks that was in the convention center to get to get us some coffee because we were so dead. And I for, I forgot that I had on this little leopard hot pants cat suit and like ears. And so I went up to Starbucks and I ordered two two espressos. And I said, "Can I have a side of heavy cream?" And the guy goes. Would you like that in a cup or in a bowl? That's cute. <laughs> You're like a plushy convention crossover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so we were staying at um, we were staying at this hotel that's no longer there. It wasn't Circus Circus. It was called the Boardwalk. And to enter yeah. this hotel, you have to walk through a giant two-story high, huge gaping clown mouth, like a clown yeah. yawning is the front entrance of the hotel. It was so scary walking into this <laughs> giant clown face. Yeah, and the doors, the double doors were the mouth. It was hilarious. It was awesome. And they had, they had chandeliers. I wanted those so bad. Oh my God. They had these metal chandeliers that were from like the 50s or the 60s that they, at first glance, they looked like normal chandeliers, but they had roller coasters going all Yeah, they were over. amazing. And there was also, um, there was a show going on in one of the lounges downstairs that we, we <laughs> thought it was going to be cheesy, but we were obsessed with it all week. It was, it was Prince. It was, a, it was called Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Uh -huh. And it was, um, Prince impersonators and also Morris Day and the Time impersonators, full live bands.
was so good. Weren't we there like every night? It became like our our well, night it took, us a, it took us a couple of days to go there because we thought it was going to be horrifying. And then one night yeah. we're like, okay, we're we're in there. And then we were shocked that at how it was. It was fucking great. I mean, the it, band it was, was awesome. Nice um, remember, remember that. The, and the first night we went there too, it was sick on a level that only Las Vegas could be like. Because there was a, there was like a row of women. And um, mm-hmm. they were like, they were probably about the ages that we are now, or at mm-hmm. least that I am, you know, like sort of middle-aged ladies, but they all had their hair done up and they were all wearing like satin jumpsuits or like really good yes. baby clothes with kind of stripper heels. But in the middle of one song, they got, they all sort of got down on their hands and knees and were doing twerking, but this was way pretty twerking. What year was oh. this anyway? Oh my, mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I know, like, I've never seen <clears throat> twerking before. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't even we know were, if this we were freaking out. We were, yeah, they were out. all doing, they were, we were calling it ass dancing. They were all on their hands yeah. and knees. And, <laughs> but at a stage, these, these like genteel and glamorous looking older ladies just sort of jumped down like a cheerleading unit and started doing it. Yes. And, and they stopped the, the main prince guy stopped the, the show in the middle of it and he was like are y'all making a movie down there <laughs> <laughs> they were awesome these women were like glamorous and fabulous and the next thing we know they're twerking it was awesome but yeah <laughs> so the show then, was great so then when morris day and the time came out after oh i i said when that show was over we were just sitting there in stunned amazement and i was like wow, like now, I mean, it would just be perfect if Morris Day came out. And then right then they announced, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Morris Day. (laughs) And so so then they came out and and Jerome the butler and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy that that carries the Yeah, with the mirror. Uh Yeah, like in the real time and in the fake Las Vegas time. He was so fucking cute. And then the next day, Selene and I were sitting in the lobby of the hotel and he, he came by our table. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. He was like, at that point, like, I could go all Kip Winger and say, I think, he's only 17. Oh, my God. He was a kid. Totally. <laughs> he, was, he was totally a kid, but he was so hot. And, and he was Super so picking cute. up on us. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was really cute. And he was, because I think he'd seen us in the audience. Yeah. And because uh, we'd become regulars, and uh, yeah, he came over to start to introduce himself, and we totally hit it off with him. And I know we were making him laugh, and he was just tripping out on what are we doing there? What is our trip? What is our story? And then we invited him up to our room. We're just like, <laughs> wait. Oh. At first, you, you know that he thought that he was, he, you know that he thought he was going to be having like a three-way with a cougar and a midget. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I just got to say that. <laughs> and also, I think we told him we were sisters. But I mean, I could just see every fantasy on earth flying through his head. But he had no idea. Like <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were just really wanted to hang out, and we thought he was cool. Like. We went. We had like no like sexy intentions whatsoever. Like he also like, had. He also had no idea that um, the Enigma was fast asleep in our room because he'd had to do an early checkout and he was waiting for a plane. So when we walked into the room, oh my was, god! Yeah, we walk into the room with this guy, and then the Enigma, some some dude covered in blue tattoos from head to toe, 
is like laying there. Yeah, his mind was blown. His mind was blown. Fast asleep on the bed. <laughs> but he was cool though. Um, that, wait, what was his name? The the Morris Day guy. Wait, uh, wait, he had a crazy name. I know, I can't remember. I he can't was so remember cute. his name. Anyway, but he was cool though, because he just kept rolling with it. Anyone else would have but, but, but then I thought this was gonna impress him. I thought he'd, he'd think it was really cool. I was like, <clears throat> excuse me, hashtag allergies. I, 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 I was begging the Enigma to swallow a sword because I thought that this, that the, this guy was really gonna like it. Like I thought he was gonna be <laughs> as amazed by it as uh -huh. we were. So the Enigma was all grouchy because we had just woken him up and dragged like a teenage stranger, <laughs> a strange teenager. boy into the room. So the Enigma was acting like our blue dad. And, <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I finally convinced him, I was like, please, please, please. And he said, okay. So he opened up all his road cases and he got the swords out and stuff. And then he got it all cleaned off with alcohol and he started doing it and the kid was looking at it like it was amazing. And then um, the Enigma did it. And there's always this moment in sword swallowing where you get it a little bit down your throat and then you sort of like spread your arms out and stick your chin all the way up in the air to sort of open your throat. And then the sword mm -hmm. just goes, boom, and just goes down oh. by itself. Now I know that. But I, I still can't like, watch. Oh, I, that is so sexy to me. I thought, that's why I thought the kid would like it. I didn't know you were horrified by it too. <laughs> oh, so I'm, hor I'm horrified with all sword swallowing. I can't. Oh, you're I kidding. I, I have to look away. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Okay, well, the best part of this, do you remember this, was as soon as that mo as soon as the sword <laughs> slid down his throat, the kid, yeah. like, just in one movement, bent over, grabbed a wastebasket, just went, Bleh! like, he just. <laughs> I like, remember oh. that. I completely remember. Yeah, he just starts throwing up. And then shortly after, do you remember this? The knock at, knock on the door, and it's Clark. Like, <laughs> just some, like, and then we just happen to be hanging out with a normal dad. Like, you know, our, our boss at the moment. Our boss and our friend. And uh, so this kid's mind must have been blown. Because then Clark comes in, and we're all hanging out. And it's just like... <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely not a sexy moment. It's not going to happen, kid. <laughs> that kid is cool. never going to forget it. So we we also at that Miney convention, um, we were telling all the people that you and I were the heiresses to the world's largest rhinestone mine, and they believed us. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. And when we're walking around with tiaras, or was that just London? Remember <laughs> <laughs> in London? But, <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Okay. So we went directly from from. Oh Las wait, Vegas. wait, wait! Before wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Vegas. Then on that same trip, we went to go see Penn and Teller with the Enigma. Mm -hmm. He took us, and we were hanging out backstage with Penn and Teller. Do you remember and that? Penn was really rude to me. Yeah, Penn was such a jerk. <laughs> he's such a, he's really arrogant um, and so gigantic. But I think that's when I started crushing on Taller. Taller oh, was so I, cute. I, I would have fought you for Taller. Yeah, Taller was so cute. I fell in love with him. He was so cute. But, he was like, yeah. if you wanted to go full fetish on Taller, Papa Harpo Marks wig on his head. Yeah, big Taller oh, Harpo yeah. Marks. <laughs> Do the whole mirror image yeah. number with him. Yeah, he was awesome. He was rad. But, oh, yeah, so then shortly after that, we went to London to promote a screening um, at a film festival of Firecracker. 
And so we were invited yeah, that was to the London, the London Film Festival, right? Yeah, yeah, we were invited to represent. And so, of course, Clinton and I were like, oh, we're going to London. So we pack, <laughs> we pack all our jewels. We pack and our mink mink, mink stalls because it was a film premiere. <laughs> mink stalls and tiaras and all our like junk jewelry. And um, and then we and we dressed up, you know, really like glamorous princesses uh, to go to. Um, we're like the only ones at the uh, at at the premiere, uh, you know, in tiaras and mink and long gloves, and it was amazing. <laughs> And we took a we took a picture in the in the in the hotel safe. We we smashed oh, yeah. all our tiaras and rhinestone bracelets and stuff into a safe. Yeah, we kept everything in a safe at the hotel. Like, Even though like, it was bought at Forever Twenty One. <laughs> <laughs> and we really art directed the safe too. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And we were into we were into meat flavored potato chips because we couldn't believe such a thing existed. Oh my god, the crisp! Um, yeah, what were they called? I forgot the brand name, but um, yeah, they had the best potato chips, like ketchup flavor, lamb and mint, all like the fucking grandma flavors. I like yeah. they're so good. Or like ba baked chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like a total roast. We, yeah, yeah, it was roasted chicken. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And so we were. We brought tons of packages home, not realizing that they would just turn into crumbs in our suitcases. Yeah, we just had crumbs. And every but photo we took on the street had to have a double-decker bus in it so people would know we weren't pretending that we were <laughs> Look, we're, Yeah, this was pre-social media. Yeah, and pre-editing. This was like cardboard disposable camera, Bill. Yeah, yeah. This was like film. But um, so Let's talk about um, let's talk about the Greek club, shall we? Yes. Okay. That was perhaps, if not the one of the most epic, endless nights of my life. I mean, it all started with cocktails in the hotel lobby with Paul and Sarah, and then and Paul, from there, Paul was my Paul was my music publisher at the time because I had a um a song coming um, coming out with that, that really big English um, electronic duo piece division. And that was how I met Paul. And I thought he was going to be a stodgy, I thought he was going to be a stodgy, stupid music business asshole. And remember I told you we arranged the code so that mm -hmm. we'd have to go after like one drink in case it mm -hmm. got boring. Mm -hmm. Boy, was I off mark with that. And we were with Sarah Simonon, who was Paul Simonon from The Clash's brother and your friend, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was I was friends with Sarah, and uh, so she met up with us for a drink because you know when am I going to be in London? And uh, so we asked her to join us for a cocktail along with Paul, who I guess you were meeting for the first time, right, in yeah. person. 
And, uh, and so, you know, and I also gave Sarah the heads up, you know, it's kind of a business cocktail so that Pleasant can get acquainted with her, uh, business, uh, you know, music business guy. And oh my God, immediately the four of us got on like a house on fire. Immediately, Paul was like the coolest guy ever. And he was such a gentleman and he was so cute and so fun and so funny. And he just treated us to like the most incredible night in London, like that I could have ever imagined. And it started, yeah. it started off great, but then it went wild when he took us to this um, underground um, secret speakeasy in Soho. Called and the like, not, not hipster, not hipster. No, secret. no, not hipster. Like describe legit. It, describe it, Selena. Yeah, oh, it was like a legit scary criminal, like major criminal element. Like scary old school secret club, like us girls had no business there. Like, like it was lock stock and two smoking barrels. The real deal. What? Like you couldn't believe this shit. It really existed. So Paul, okay, wait, first we had champagne. We had like a bottle of really nice champagne. Cause you know, Paul, no, we had like four bottles. I think of this. <laughs> Paul, Paul spared no expense. So he treated us to like some lovely, no cheap shit champagne, at the uh, hotel lobby. And then we all went to dinner at this, at the Gay Hussar, this beautiful Indian restaurant um, in uh, Soho. And then from there, you know, we, we just, um, we feasted. And then he's like, you know, obviously we were having a good time. We didn't want to wrap it up after dinner. I don't even know what time it was at this point. And then we all hop in the cab to this private club Paul wants to take us to. We, so the cab drops us off at this, in, I, this is what I remember, this gigantic apartment building. And I'm thinking, we're going to some apartment? Like, what the fuck's going on? And then we go through this apartment and it's huge. And we're going through corridor after corridor, flights of stairs, it goes up, it goes down. And then next thing I know, we're going down several flights and then we're in this tunnel and we get to the end of this tunnel. Like you forget you're in this apartment building. It's so na- It's like a crazy maze. And then we get to this door and it's the speakeasy. And it's just old school. Paul knocks on the door. Somebody opens the little window and lets us in. We walk in and it's, it looks like a sunken bar. It, to me, it looked like it had been carved out of a cave. And, <laughs> That's what was in the basement. And, 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 yeah, and it looks like a t- movie set. But yeah, yeah, it looks like a movie set from like Goodfellas or any mafia yeah. movie you've ever seen. There was like there was like flags, flags of Italy. There was sausages hanging from the ceiling. There was this yeah. sign on one side that said like the hideout in sixties letters, and yeah. then there, it was it was completely dark in there. And then it was super. Awesome. What, what, what happened? Like within, like we were just in amazement, and we were also really drunk. But yeah. somehow within like within the space of twenty minutes, I was sitting on the bar with Oh yeah. And and the thing is, there was nobody there other than okay, it was us and I remember like maybe four other men, like grown men, you know, like, and like mobsters. Like grown ass men in, in suits and stuff. And then yeah, one like, of the, there started to be more coming in, but when we first came in it was like just empty. Yeah, and it was just us and these guys and it, I felt like we were crashing their clubhouse. But they yeah. were all really sweet and welcoming. Like, it didn't feel scary, but it felt criminal. And, uh, <laughs> you know, 
And then there was this one other girl, that young blonde girl. I can't remember. Wait, she was that was that was a little bit later. So I was. Okay. I, I just remember I popped into consciousness from my champagne blackout when I was with within twenty minutes of there. I was on the bar and with uh, Paul. Yeah, and, and and without us even asking for anything, didn't they just pop open a bottle of Cristal and just started pouring it? Yeah, that, and then there was cocaine on C on CDs, and then I was laying on the bar with Paul was auctioning off, like sucking my feet to a foot fetish guy that was wearing an ascot. Like yes, <laughs> he was so dapper. He was so sharp and dapper, and he was like trying to shrimp your feet. He had on hot, hot like he had on houndstooth check, and he, he had my whole foot. <laughs> It was like, it was like Austin Powers without the parody. Like, it was just real deal, kinky British 60s shit. <laughs> it was crazy. And, but then, um, so then um, you were getting ready to go home and this beautiful blonde girl came in and, I, and there was more guys there and I was happy that there was another woman there. And then Paul put you in a, in a cab to go back to the hotel yeah, it was so, like four. It was four a.m. at this point, and Sarah and I were like, "Okay, I need to go home." <laughs> like, yeah, when you were leaving, but I was, I was still staying there, so I was happy to have this new, new cute girl playmate, and she looked like a nineteen sixties Yardley ad. She was so beautiful. She had long, straight blonde hair, and yeah, total she was rose skin, and straight across bangs, and yeah, you know, and so she was lovely. So we were hanging out, and then I remember whispering to her, "I don't really know any of these men. Like, let's leave at the same time." And she said, mm -hmm. "Oh, okay." Mm -hmm. So we did, and then by the time we were leaving, I think it was like eight in the morning or something, and I, I was like shocked because I had forgotten to put sunglasses in my purse, <laughs> and and um, me and her, uh, we got in the cab and we we got to the hotel room, and I don't even remember driving there or, or getting into the hotel room, but then I remember we both passed out, and then. You woke up. This is what you told me later about what you saw when you woke up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, oh yeah. I, I woke up and, uh, no, I just turned over and I was just like, why is there a beautiful blonde woman <laughs> in bed with Pleasant? I was really confused. <laughs> and we were both naked. We were just... <laughs> yeah, they're just sprawled out naked and, you know, two gorgeous women passed out naked. And I was just like, I could not compute what must have happened from the moment I left to the moment I woke up. I was like, oh, my God. I was just so grateful I made it to the room safely. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was nuts. It was crazy. Um. So I let's 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 completely switch gears and talk about mm -hmm. um when you had to um and I, when you wouldn't have been allowed to do this had they known your very sketchy past. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about um your disability advocacy that you did at the Capitol in Washington. Yes. Yes, and it's true. Wait, how did how did you get past the security check? That's all <laughs> I want to know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, they have no idea. And again, thank God, social media it did not exist back then. But, uh, or yeah, or I wouldn't be speaking at the Capitol. Um, I, uh, well, in, in recent years, in my, as, as I've gotten older, I've, I've actually, um, look, I'll, um, I'll be brutally honest. I've, you know, I've grown up with a lot of self-loathing and shame around being uh, disabled and specifically I'm a little person. You can't see me watching, I mean, hearing this, but I'm a little person and it's, um, 
it, you know, it, it's a tough upbringing uh, when you're literally just kind of the only, just somebody trying to fit into a society you don't fit into, to put it simply. So I grew up with a, uh, a lot of uh, self-loathing and shame. So I'm a late bloomer with uh, embracing my disability. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with that word because there's nothing wrong with being disabled. You know, that's one thing that I finally, I'm woke as the kids say. So in my trying to find deeper, really deeper meaning in my life, I've become involved with this wonderful organization. It's called, uh, I became involved with Southern California Resource Services for Independent Living. And uh, basically it's a disability rights um, advocacy group in California, one of the largest. And I'm on their board of directors. And to put it simply, they're called SERS. And with them, I, last year I traveled to Washington, D.C. for the annual disability rights uh, conference that happens every summer. And unfortunately, due to COVID, we couldn't do it this year. And so they invited me. Uh, they invited me to speak in front of the Capitol on behalf of disability rights. And it was a really kind of life-changing experience for me. And so now I'm really knee deep in it. Um, last year, I spoke in front of the state capitol on disability rights, and I got to share the stage with people like Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Um, I got to meet privately with Maxine Waters, Ted Lieu, just to name a few uh, Congress members of Congress that I met with to advocate for disability equality and mainly access to education. So that's the serious part of me. And that's really where my passion lies these days. That's, I mean, that it's so awesome that you're doing that work. Woo! Why did you? you. <laughs> Thank sorry, you. I, sorry, I mean, I, it, I, it, ain't no, it ain't no mob private club, but. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that woo about what you were doing. Like, this <laughs> is so crazy. All the, all the um, hydraulics just went out of my office chair and it went down all the way. Wait, oh, so now I'm at your level, Selene. No, I'm just Hilarious. <laughs> now we're at eye level on Zoom. Yeah. No, but um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's really great that you're doing that work. But I didn't realize with you that it was, um, that you felt shame about it. I mean, because you always, you always, like so many of your, um, your, your one woman shows that I saw mm -hmm. get figured into, but also like when you had the show Pocket Venus, that was like the mm -hmm. best title ever and um oh, thank you and um you know that just just all of that although i do have to say this has nothing to do with your disability rights but because selenium was so small there's been a few occasions where i literally picked her up and put her on my hip like a baby as we ran through airports to get to plane. <laughs> We're always running through airports. I um well yeah, I I don't think I ever um I had so much shame that I couldn't admit it and I would fight against it in whatever creative thing I would get involved in. Yeah. And I always came from a very confrontational place and uh there's a lot of anger behind it because of the injustices that oh my god the injustices to people everywhere like i can't you know my sister is disabled and we had to drive across the country mm -hmm. a few years ago mm -hmm. like every there's so many little small things that quote quote regular i'm not going to say normal or right. you know yeah um you know 
non-disabled people don't realize how hard it is and like yeah first of all i'm gonna say why the fuck is always the disabled space at the far end of the bathroom yeah you know (laughs) everything no everything it's second second class citizen you know all the way through and um you know and i was brought up in a really old school way where you just like suck it up or i'll give you something to cry about yeah, you know, yeah. and so I was very resentful that I never got to express uh, the, um, how pissed off I was about the unfair world. And um, so I just, so through, you know, political work, I've been able to find a productive platform that's not angry. You know, I, I still have a lot of anger, but at least it's productive and helpful to other people. And um, so that, that's really something new in my life. And your and your anger that you express though in an artistic way comes out really amazing though I gotta say because it's not oh, just anger you. it's like it's it's fabulous I mean it, it's like that baby act or other things I've seen you do it's just so it's you know it's like how they say that like so, so many of the best rock and roll songs have come mm-hmm. from um from heartbreak you know yeah. like uh, yeah. Like, like, you know, like Layla by Eric Clapton was about like, (laughs) like George Harrison's wife. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I I, I think great art and I'm not calling any work I've done great, but I think I'm calling it great. So it's, it is fucking great. You you don't have to call it that because everybody else thinks it. (laughs) Well, thank you. That means a lot. And uh, I I just think that great, meaningful, or at least meaningful work comes from a a place of heartache, you know, it, a lot of it comes from, you know, a really dark place. Like some of the funniest, best comics come from a real place of pain. Oh, and I so, agree. So I, I agree. think ultimately the lesson here is that art saves. Yes. Um, so let's talk about one more thing. I just want to mm-hmm. find out, like, uh, I want to find out if you've had, um, any wild paranormal experiences? And I also want to hear your favorite um, music that you're listening to these days out in your Caftown, hashtag Caftown life in Palm Springs. <laughs> oh, fabulous. Okay, I have had paranormal experiences. Now We've had some of them together, actually. Yeah, we've had, well, I wanted to share that. Number one, okay. I've, I've experienced it with you. Uh, so first I got to say, and I really mean this, I don't have, com- I don't really have conflicts about my personal beliefs. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in shit. I'm true blue meat and potatoes science. I, I'm like, I love science. I'm a sci-fi geek. I'm like full on Trekkie life and <laughs> um, full blown Trekkie life. And um, so I just, don't know. I don't identify with the term paranormal. Maybe I'm just not clear enough with the terminology. But I do believe that there are that there are things about our universe that we don't have a scientific explanation for, but doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So that's where I'm at with it. So I've had two pretty significant experiences with Pleasant in in Pleasant. Um, presence number one uh when we were touring this may have been the sensuous woman i can't remember what town we were in but um what is the i forget the term for what you have that you make electrical things happen epk electro psychokinesis okay well 
Pleasant has told me for a long time, even before this experience, that she experienced EPK. And she told me about it. I don't think she's nuts. I believed her, but I'm just like, well, I don't understand it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't get it. <laughs> and so one time we were on the road and we were sharing a hotel room and uh, we're just sitting there and I was watching TV. We had the weather channel on because yeah, that's usual. Pleasant's <laughs> favorite channel. And every time she would walk by the TV, it would just turn off. <laughs> and also, if she would walk by, I remember this hotel room had uh, sconces. The light fixtures were sconces. Yeah. And I remember she walked by the sconces, it would flicker. So I was like, holy shit, her EPK is for real. Because it, it just happened all the time in the room. Like, And if she left the room, all the electric was perfectly fine. So... I saw it with my own eyes. There was no question some shit was happening. And then, okay, then the second story to that in my uh, presence with Pleasant, many years later, I get married. I got married, and uh, Pleasant offered to host my, uh, my bachelorette party. And since I'm not a Karen or a basic bitch, I didn't want some, like, normal bachelorette party. I almost didn't even want a bachelorette party. I wasn't that. I was just, you know, into getting married and that was it. But Pleasant really encouraged me to have an event. And um, so we decided on, which I was so ex happy about because it was really the funnest bachelorette party I could imagine. She offered to host a ghost hunting bachelorette party. And we even did it in the afternoon. And uh, so uh, Pleasant walked me and my 14 guests through uh, a ghost hunting kind of expedition. We actually, um, in our family, in our, our uh, family of entertainers, we're all familiar with this really wonderful theater called the Cavern Club Celebrity Theater, which is located in Silver Lake in the basement of Casita del Campo Mexican Restaurant. And this uh, restaurant and theater has been there since the 60s. It's the same family. Um, that own it, Rudy Del Campo, who was one of the original MGM Technicolor dancers. He, you could see him in West Side Story and a bunch of other uh, classic uh, musicals. He's the guy who bought this restaurant and created it as a family business, and the family still owns it and runs it. But he started this theater in the basement for the local misfits and drag queens. And so all of us at one point in our career have performed in this basement. And the basement is rich with history. And that's where we had my bachelorette party. Cause it's super haunted. It's super <laughs> haunted. There've been a couple of deaths in this theater. And so um, I think Pleasant can elaborate more on uh, the whole setup of the ghost hunting adventure there, but very quickly, into setting up in the basement, uh, Pleasant, uh, what, she started an EVP, an electronic voice. Uh, yeah, we were, we were like, we had the meters on, we had Ovilus, we had all the paranormal equipment and EVPs is like electric voice. Wait, why am I blanking out now? Yeah, electric voice <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, that's the Electronic voice phenomenon. And so immediately, uh, Pleasant starts picking up on a ghost voice that was, uh, quote unquote, sitting right next to Margaret. Yeah, it and, was. Margaret, because Margaret could feel it because she said it got all cold, too. Yeah, Margaret and Margaret was, was, Margaret, was sitting, Margaret was sitting right behind me, and there was an empty chair next to her, 
and she says, I feel cold. And I turn around and I put my arm over the chair and there really was a ghost. I mean, a gust of just cold feeling. Yeah, and the there, sound and cold air right there. And there was no vent or air conditioning right above it, nothing like that. And then, so immediately Pleasant starts recording on the EVP device and we all, all 14 of us heard it. We all heard the voice. Pleasant asked the presence if uh, they would like a cocktail. And the, yeah. and the voice, it was like a man's voice asked for a margarita. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. So yes, I have had paranormal experiences. <laughs> okay, was, so I, just, I have to tell you one thing. My, mm -hmm. my um, EPK, just like, I, I'm not saying this is a joke. You, you said you felt like ashamed because you were disabled. Yes. My whole life, I thought I was hiding this from people because I was so horrified that, that, like, that everything, like, that light bulbs would explode or, like, mm -hmm. you know, the car, the buttons in the cars would go up and down, you know, like, the, the electronic, like, door locking buttons or that oh, yeah. later on I could freeze computers. But I, I, I ruined lights on movie sets. And I thought <laughs> nobody would notice if I just didn't mention it, you know what I mean? Until, yeah. like... It got to the point where I'd walk into a house, you know, or someone's apartment or somewhere. They'd be like, hey, come on in. Stay the fuck away from my computer. Like, that would be like, <laughs> what? And they're like, you know. Or, like, I couldn't go into a recording studio. Like, they'd be like, okay, wait, let me put these, like, panels up. So that, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't let you near anyone, any of my devices. Like, <laughs> you'll, blow, you'll blow them up. And, yeah, and I don't, and I actually don't blame you for, like, suppressing that part of yourself. Because. I mean, how do you explain it to people? It sounds you can't funny. explain it to people, and it scared me. And what one? I mean, it always scared me. It used to make me so. After a while, I mean, like, and we're talking about by the time I was in my teens, when I realized that this was happening through mm -hmm. me and to me, and not just mm -hmm. random events around me. Mm -hmm. I was just like, if I try to tell anybody about this, they're gonna think I'm nuts. And then I thought, well, I'll just keep it on the DL. And I thought people didn't know. And then I found out for years that people were calling me Carrie and Firestarter. And all, oh I my mean, god, you're like, oh my you god, you get me. What? You're all, you're all complimented. Oh my god, how flattering. Thank you. No, I was horrified. I was like, <laughs> what they know about that? Like I thought, you know what I mean? I was outed. I was like totally in the closet about this. That's so <laughs> hilarious. I know. Like, well, oh it, it used to stress me out too. And if I well, was stressed out, I'd walk in somewhere and a light bulb would explode or like, but I think one time, one time, even wait, I was reporting a, a, a crime. I had this stalker and I went to the, to the Hollywood police station to mm -hmm. report it. And I was telling the guy about it. And all of a sudden the ATM machine started going on and off and it was making all this noise. And then it would stop with a big clank and then it would do it again. And then he goes, uh, he just looked at it weird and he said, okay, I'm going to go and make a, I'm going to make copies of this report for you. And then he came back and he's like, ma'am, I'm sorry. Like our Xerox machine is malfunctioning. And I, in my oh head, my I'm thinking, oh, figure. And then the, the ATM machine started going again. And I was like, what's going on with that machine? And he goes, I don't know, but if it starts spinning some money out, I'll just leave and we can go to Vegas like the cops said. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my God. Um, that's crazy. Well, I, 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 that's, but you know, that's what I love about what I've really grown to love about getting older. It's like, at some, that's why I'm so heavily 
involved now with disability advocacy because you know you get to a point in in life and age where you realize I can no longer fight who I really am so I'm gonna just go for it full hog and embrace it that's exactly yeah and enjoy just enjoy it this is who you are yeah fuck it (laughs) yeah fuck it it's a big case of the fuck it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay so let, let, let's talk about one more thing that you're um you're doing um you're on the board of directors for the Com- palm springs comedy festival is that good yeah happen? yes well um as you know i well i'm originally from los angeles grew up i grew up in la lived there my whole life but um in the last uh year or so i uh my husband and i we uh left the big city and we moved to Palm Springs for um, the Palm Springs lifestyle, which is really incredible, and it's what I always dreamed of. And um, so now that I'm living here, I'm currently on the board of directors of the Palm Springs International Comedy Festival, which is um, a really, really great, huge comedy event. And um, and I'm but this year we're doing the festival online and the festival is going to be September 24th through the 28th and I'll be hosting. So I hope people will tune in. Yay. All right. Shalina. Pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I love you so much. And this has been a lot of fun. Oh my God. We could have made this four hours long. Maybe we'll have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would love that. Iceberg. Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay, you guys, that was Selene Luna. How amazing is she? And this really was just like not even a fraction of um, what she what she does, what she will be doing, how she is. She's she's just so incredible, and she's a nonstop fountain of creativity. Anyway. Thanks for listening to my guest, Selene Luna, and see you next time. She's into superstitions, black cats and voodoo dolls. I feel a premonition, that girl's gonna make me fall. She's into new sensations, new kicks in the candlelight. She's got Well, that was Selene Luna. Isn't she fabulous? Aside from all of our zany shenanigans together, um, she's got a serious side too. She's extremely active in the independent living movement and the National Council for Independent Living, which helps thousands of people with disabilities all over every state in America. She's also spoken at the Capitol on um, these sort of issues. So log on to her website, selenaluna.com, if you want to find out more about her activism. And she's got a packed schedule of entertainment, even though some of it now is probably only online. But 
you will just love her. Give her a visit. And um, if you're lucky, maybe sometime you'll meet her in person and be able to experience her wildness in the flesh. See you next time on The Devil's Music. Bye. Mwah. The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. Do something fun with the family. Come downtown and go to the Auto Show, January 20th through the 22nd at the CHI Health Center. Get inside the newest cars, trucks, and SUVs and see some of the hottest electric cars like the Hyundai Ionic 5. Race a NASCAR remote control car. See beautiful classic cars and visit the Subaru Pet Adoption. Free admission for veterans on Friday. Get out and go to the Auto Show, January 20th through the 22nd. Find more at omahaautoshow.com. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.